0: Welcome to the sixth season of Scene to Song, a musical theater podcast for people who love to discuss, critique, and celebrate musicals as a literary art form. I'm your host, Shoshana Greenberg, and each episode, I'll bring on a guest to talk about a musical, musical theater writer, or a topic or trend in musical theater. If you enjoy this podcast, please take a moment to rate it on your podcast app and leave a review. It only takes a moment, as Jerry Herman would say, and you'd really be helping the show find more listeners. And please spread the word about the podcast to those who enjoy talking about musical theater. My guest today is Andrea Prestonario. Andrea is a queer, award-winning performer and producer who has worked extensively throughout the country over the last 20 years with New York Theater Workshop, Oslo Rep, American Conservatory Theater, Marriott Theater, Lyric Opera Chicago, and more. She received a Jeff Award for her work as Violet in Sideshow at the Boho Theater and has played Allison in Fun Home three times, most recently this past summer at Studio Theater in Washington, D.C. She is also the co-founder and founding executive director of Ring of Keys, a 501c3 nonprofit artist service organization for queer women and trans artists in musical theater. We're going to talk today about the Janine Tesori and Lisa Kron musical, Fun Home. Hey, Andrea, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. So happy to be here. Well, we will get started with our get to know our guest questions. What was your first experience with a musical? My first
1: experience with the musical was the musical I was in. I didn't grow up seeing any musicals, but i, I was um, I was part of um, Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat, uh, starring Donny Osmond as Joseph. Uh, when I was 11 years old, my choir had auditioned for it, and then we were part of that production. and That was a that was a live in production that sat in Chicago for about three years. So I was part of it for the first three months, and oh, nice. uh, that was my that's when I was caught the bug. It was time
0: that's, to, that's to so do that fun. for the rest of my life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I saw Joseph when I was a kid and I, all I wanted to do was be like one of the kids on the, the chorus, yeah. <laughs> on the stage. Yeah.
1: Orange six. That was my color and number. We were all assigned to color and number. And if, oh, it's fun. like a special club now. If you, you know, anyone that has been part of it, you're like, what was your, what, what was your number? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: my best friend was blue too. So what is the last great musical that you saw? So I've been out of town working for three
1: months, just getting back Monday. Didn't have any time to see any shows during that time, obviously. Um, and I like, I can't even remember seeing much this spring too. I feel like I finally got to see Town* sometime mm-hmm. earlier this year. And I would say that was, that was really, really moving for me and really one of the great musicals I, I, I really enjoyed. Um, It's just my kind of musical I leave with just like that, like swelling feeling in my heart. Um, Really a nice Mitchell, like her music has has been one that I've always been, that I've always loved as like an Ani DeFranco fan. Mm -hmm. She's of the
0: same ilk. Uh, What's a musical people would be surprised to find out you love and why would they be surprised? I, I
1: don't know if I know the answer. Maybe <laughs> it's, I, I I mean, maybe it's Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which I kind of love hate, hate love. Uh, uh-huh. It's a terrible musical. It's so misogynist. Um, it's awful. There's literally a song called The Sabine Rape, um, <laughs> where, like, the men, like, rape the women and keep them, like, in whatever town it is. And then there's a snow storm, and they can't, like, go over the 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 mountains so then they're stuck there for the entire like season until the spring and like by spring they're all pregnant like it's just like (laughs) terrible yeah but it is of like a musical of a certain like dance musical like it's mostly the movie that I love to be clear that I that I just and I, I actually got to be got to do the production in 2011 and I just had so much fun with that cast that I think that's sort of my reasons for the the affinity sort of like the nostalgia part and just like it's just those numbers um the, the 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 dance numbers are so exciting to not only be a part of but to to watch and the movie is just like so good
0: well what's your favorite musical that no one else has heard of
1: i am making my creative producing debut um on a new musical called show me eternity oh. so i get to plug that in this moment um it's about the queer erasure of emily dickinson Mm -hmm. um it's going to be having performances in the in december and that's probably why no one's heard of it yet because it's only had like a couple iterations uh, a concert a, a
0: reading so i'm excited nice that sounds really exciting i will keep my eyes out for it can't wait to hear more about it um Who is your favorite hero character or protagonist in a musical? And who is your favorite villain or antagonist?
1: My favorite protagonist hero is Eliza Doolittle. Mm -hmm. I got to play Eliza twice. I fell in love with her so much. I love her so much. She makes me so happy. She She is so feral and so determined and so wickedly smart like she's just she goes after exactly what she needs she has she is just she's just shy of homeless and she has this little bit of money that this man throws at her and she realizes at the end of um isn't it lovely? wouldn't it be lovely? sorry wouldn't it be lovely that oh my god i'm gonna take this money and i'm gonna i'm gonna go figure out how to get lessons to like to improve myself um it's just it's it's really she's just such a like smart, wonderful, kind, warm, convicted human and i just love her so much.
0: nice. yeah, i when i saw the recent revival i was really struck by that too. i knew i grew up like watching the movie, but i was so young like i don't think it registered with me like just the complexity of her character.
1: Yeah, um, I I think that that's glossed over in the Audrey Hepburn movie mm. version. Um, what what really? Because I, I mean, if you go to the real source, which is, um, you know, Pygmalion, um, by George Bernard Shaw, like that is really the, the 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 text source. And he was such a feminist that you really get a better right. understanding of like what the what we're trying to say here as a as a as a piece, mm. and what and and what makes her such a hero.
0: Yeah and uh who's your antagonist i am going to go with mama rose mhm
1: i love her i guess it's controversial to call her a villain or an antagonist but like that's up for conversation right i mean yeah if you think about gypsy who is the who is the villain in that in that story i don't know right. like is she a monster or is she just a mother i don't think she's a monster but if if we're going to put her in the villain antagonist antagonist category, I would have to go with her.
0: What is a moment in a musical that you think gets to a complex emotional state you didn't think was possible to get to? Okay, so what this made me think of was
1: my experience where when you see, when you see a musical through new eyes, a musical you already have known forever, and then you see it through new eyes, And, like, a new kind of, like, cultural lens. And for me, that was, like, during the Trump years. Um, I saw Music Man, and I was like, oh, my God. Like, Trump is... Harold Hill, yeah. <laughs> like that kind of like, oh, my God, this is terrifying. Ah, ha, ha, ha. oh, my God, this is I'm, I'm I'm crawling out of my skin right now. Like, I don't want to be in this room seeing this m- musical because I'm like reminded of something that's very triggering. And it's our mm-hmm. current president, you know, like that experience was yeah. really a weird um, a weird phenomenon with um, with a musical that I didn't have like uncomfortable feelings about before. Right. It was just like, oh, yeah, he's a he's a con man. But like, you know, it's a complex musical where you it's nuanced enough. I think if it's done well, like um, where you realize, like, it's not so black and white. It's a little more of a gray area in terms of who he is and what he's doing. Although sidebar, like that is the musical I want to queer so bad, because (laughs) I think if Harold Hill is like a trans individual that is like like leaving their town because of like kind of like. You know transphobia or or it's a um a gay woman like a dyke in in Mm -hmm. hiding like um because of homophobia like i think that 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 story works so much better and it makes sense like why marion like hasn't married maybe because maybe she's queer yeah i
0: don't know that musical that yeah i agree like that musical needs to be queered so bad like so bad (laughs) Yeah well, let's move into our topic, which is the musical fun home and I am so like excited to talk about this musical with you since you just finished playing Allison in uh, DC this summer. Um, and I think it this was your third time playing. Yeah, that's playing connect. Allison. Yeah. So you know this character in the show like extremely intimately., um, yes. I'll start with my experience with the show. And that was that I first saw it, it at the public when it was off Broadway, that this was like 2013. So like 10 years ago now at this point. And uh, yeah, I mean, I was just blown away by it. I uh, was so struck by, especially the Ring of Keys song. I remember just being so blown away by that song in particular. Mm-hmm. Well, Sidney Lucas in that role, Number one, yes, was incredible, but also just seeing a child like, I think I'm just so used to seeing children perform, yeah, instead of children act. And I was like, Whoa, this child is acting, yeah, like Man. this is acting, like I don't know. It just really <laughs> struck me in a way that, um, I was like, I didn't know a child. I mean, she's a child, I guess she was like preteen 13, yeah, or maybe 12? 13, 12 or 13. But I was like, I didn't know, I didn't know this was possible. And then also like the, the song itself, of course, but I just remember being really struck by that moment. And then I saw it again on Broadway in 2015. Um, And Alison Bechtel was actually in the audience when I saw it. So that was fun. That was in the round, you know, that circle in the square. So in the round, she was like on the other side. I was like, oh, look, there she is, like right across. (laughs) Was it like
1: called out or you just happened to notice her?
0: I I think I just happened to notice her. I don't remember it being called out. Um, I think I noticed, I just, we just noticed her. Um, And I had, I was doing like a bunch of articles uh, on Fun Home. So, Uh, the one I had done for this at that time was on like just three women composers on Broadway that season. Um, and then I saw it again, right before the run, the Broadway run ended in 2016 that fall. Cause I was doing another article on like the, the closing of Fun Home and I interviewed the writers and wrote about it. Um, so it was really great to like revisit it most of the cast was still there. I think it was just a different young uh, or small Allison at that point. I think I, I just loved it. And I love seeing it in the that space, that circle in the yeah. square, oh, rounds looking down on it. Cyclical, it was so cool. Circular. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So that's been my experience with it, and I I saw. I haven't really seen it since, but I did watch like an online production of it <laughs> during the pandemic, <laughs> so I did see it. Where was then. that at the the online oh, one? Maybe somewhere in Chicago. I'm not sure. Oh,
1: okay. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah. Then I it's the Victory Gardens production. Oh,
0: that must have been. Yeah, it. my friend yeah. Danny
1: Smith played um, played Allison.
0: It's just funny, like to think about describing the story of the show because it's so it's so difficult to describe because it's so not linear I remember like trying to tell somebody about it um and I was like how do I even I know how do (laughs) do I even start with it but I mean you can talk about like the overall like this is about uh Alison Bechdel based on her graphic novel of the same name Fun Home which I I, and I read that uh, years ago as well um as part of my experience with the show but um and it's about her relationship with her father who killed himself. Well, I think it's a gray area whether he killed himself. I think the show kind of is on the side of he killed himself, but. Well,
1: that's her whole investigation.
0: Yeah. Too.
1: I mean, that's the, her, like, it's a whole quest for truth of like, did he kill himself? Did he not? I think, I think, yeah, I think I totally agree. I think the book is a little more in um, search of that answer. And I think Mm -hmm. in the um, musical they make it definitive.
0: Yeah. And I can see why, like, you want to, you want to have, like, a, sometimes, you know, you want to have, like, a, okay, we we made this decision dramatically yeah. that yeah. this is what's happening. Yeah. But um, anyway, so I think it's, like, she has reached the age of her father when he killed, when he died. 43. And 43. Yeah, And she's kind of looking back on her childhood and young adulthood with him and yeah, investing, like investigating it, like as a, a, in memories, like, uh, there was this happened and this happened and, um, yeah. And that, that's basically the show, I guess.
1: Well, that's what's so interesting. You know, they talk about in the, um, in the graphic novel, it's non-linear and nothing dr- in the dramatic sense actually happens. It's the most dramatic is the sort of three months between Alison Bechtel coming out in college to her finding out her father killed himself. Right. So they follow that sort of. They follow a, a non-linear structure in the musical in the sense that the there are there are three Allison's. So the Allison, which is big Allison, who's 43, and then there's medium Allison, who is college age Allison at 19, and then small Allison, who is 11. Is that right? No, sorry, nine. Um, And these memories are remembered out of sequence, except medium Allison and small Allison's worlds go forward. Well, I should mm-hmm. say, medium Allison's world goes forward. So the dramatic structure of like those three months, that structure is like her memories are in are like chron- mm. chronological. Um, the other memories are kind of interspersed with small Allison. So that means right. the actors that are playing the father and the mother, Bruce and Helen, they're living in a very their their journey as an actor is like out of order right? Right. They're popping back and forth between decades. Um, but yeah, it's this investigation of trying to understand a father, like, are, are we the same or are we different? I, I like to think that the, my personal kind of central question for the play is what do we do with the pain of our parents? Hmm. And I think that's an even larger scope, um, that is universal for this play um, versus the uh, in, in, in like kind of in tandem with the specificity of a story about a lesbian, prote- a lesbian cartoonist trying to understand why her gay father, her closeted gay father killed himself and right. her relationship with her father. And it's also about how he, helped her become an artist. Um, Mm, so my first, my first, um, experience with fun home was the musical seeing it on Broadway. And I saw it with a friend of mine, Laura, who, whose father actually came out as gay when she was young, I believe
0: Mm.
1: maybe college age. I can't remember her age, but we both had a very, very, very emotional, visceral, shook experience with like seeing that that musical and for me what that was is like you know that was 2015 I identify as a lesbian woman a musical theater artist and since coming out in college in 2002 I had never up until that point been able to like have my worlds merge Mm -hmm. so the worlds of like being a lesbian and being a musical theater artist were completely siloed for me right I had no representation in, in the, in my industry, in my avenue of my, my sector of work. And I also not only didn't have representation, but like, I, I, I felt that I, I, I felt compelled to keep those worlds separate for fear of employment, you know, that there was a risk of being able to, to, that I wouldn't be seen as employable as a lesbian.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um someone who identifies as very femme-presenting. Uh, I, you know, I I played ingenue roles throughout my 20s. I, I didn't think that those worlds could could converge. So the moment of being able to see a lesbian protagonist on stage in my arena, in my sector, in my my world of, like, it just blew my mind open in a way that, like, it's still so emotional, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and like to think that that was 2015 and that was making Broadway history with the first lesbian protagonist. That yeah. still blows my mind that it took that long. I very much fell in love with the musical, but I never really expected to play the role.
0: Mm-hmm. I don't know why,
1: but that wasn't like, um, that wasn't really a, an initial, oh, I, I want to play this role someday it was just more just like the gratitude that this musical existed. It was so beautifully cosmic the way that was the same year that um marriage equality feder- passed federally and became the law of the land. Right. So that was just a real a real like uplifting beautiful moment in our in our kind of history and like such a time capsule.
0: Yeah, it is interesting. Like I think back on 2015 and like for me personally, like this show is on Broadway, but also um, Hedwig was also on Broadway with um, Neil Patrick Harris, but bo- he had been in 2014. And oh. at that point, John Cameron Mitchell was back oh. in it. So it was like those two shows were like happening simultaneously on Broadway in the spring of 2015. And I, I really think like it helped me like solidify my queerness in a way, just like with those two shows somehow like just being able to see that both at the same time there. Um, I don't know. So I, I do think there was something, something happening on Broadway at that time. I think Alison, I mean, as a character, you also uh, have spent so much time with her specifically now, just like delving into her as a character. Like, what are your, what, are, what have your experiences been?
1: Yeah. There's so much to say on this topic. Um, and it's hard for me to talk about it separately from Ring of Keys, which is mm-hmm. the nonprofit that I co-founded in 2018. Right. So Ring of Keys is a 501c3 nonprofit that amplifies queer women, trans and non-binary artists working on and offstage in musical theater. Um, fostering community and visibility. We have showcases, job events, community events, meetups. Um, It is something that I created with my co-founder Royer Bacchus um, because we felt like where is the rest of the queer spectrum? We Mm -hmm. are in an industry that is saying it says that musical theater is so gay but it's not queer. And we felt right. we needed to really figure out how to find our people. And so, in January of 2018, we launched Ring of Keys, and Ring of Keys is named our organization's namesake is a song in Fun Home. Two weeks later, um, Mal Ewan, who is a founding director at Weston Theatre in Vermont, he called me and he said. Um, We're doing fun, we're doing, yeah, we're doing fun home uh, this summer at Weston and I'd like you to play Allison. Like, so he's offering me a role out of the blue. And Mm -hmm. it was just to me like this crazy ass like moment that I had like manifested some sort of thing where I'm like, oh my God, like I'm building an organization to kind of like lean into my truth. Mm Mm-hmm. My moment of, like, I, we, the the organization's ethos is really about, like, our queerness is an asset that we bring to the stage, that we bring to the table and that we bring Mm -hmm. to the stage, you know? Like, this is not something that we're going to hide anymore. I mean, I had just come out to my agents because for fear of, like, oh, my God, I might not work if I'm queer and out. This is, it's almost like a dated thing to say now because now, like, queerness is so visible in our industry. But, like, at the time, like, pre- 2016 right like I just mm-hmm. feel like it was like not as out and visible and acceptable right to be so um so that moment when I was offered this role of Allison I was like oh my god how like kismet that it's a musical about truth and about authenticity and it's like and I am I am stepping into that in a moment that I have like manifested and it just Mm -hmm. felt so great. So that first production, um, was, was at, um, like I said, Weston theater in Vermont. And I completely fell in love with her obsession with these details and her quirkiness and just kind of immediately consumed everything I could about her. Like I do with like any character I play, but it's always more exciting if you get to play someone who's like living or or is is I should say who is real, but even yeah. further is currently living. Like it was just like so many layers of how how fun this is to sort of like mine and dig mm-hmm. deep on this character. And I hadn't read the graphic novel. I didn't even actually know Alison Bechtel prior to I'm a terrible gay, I guess. <laughs> I did not know her when I went and saw Fun Home on Broadway. Yeah. And then like I got to do the production at Baltimore Center Stage in 2019. And then this production this summer was at Studio Theater. Um, and each time uh, it's been with a new cast and it's been a very different production. What's interesting about um, all three times that I've played it, I've actually never gotten to do the production with a queer director. Mm-hmm. so that has always been interesting and um i i personally i don't want to go too far like on a tangent here but i personally don't go i'm not i don't have a hard line on like allison needs to be played by a queer person i that's not a, a a non-negotiable for me i mean right many people it is for me it's not but i think if you don't have a if you don't have a queer person playing Allison you better have a queer director mm-hmm there has to be people in the room that can like authentically tell that story right? Like, appropriately. And so, and, and knowing this experience, you know, there's a reference in the, in the, in the text about um, when Joan walks in and sees Allison, and she gives her the lesbian nod, that's part of the stage directions. Mm-hmm. And the first time I did it, you know, it was kind of glossed over. It's not a big deal. I was like, no, that's an actual thing. That's an actual thing. Like, you know, it's a thing of accept of like, I see you like a connection of like, yeah. And, you know, later when I would go down to do the production at Baltimore center stage directed by Hannah Sharif, we talked about it. And she was like, she's not a queer person, but she's like, but I'm a black woman. Like I understand like what that is. Like it's maybe not queer, but like we have that in the black community. Like there's a certain like nod of recognition. I'm like, yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. Like, so it's interesting, you know, those little kind of like, I I use that as a microcosm of the ways in which if, if like had to like authentically tell a story, it was like, if you actually don't understand the world, a marginalized experience, like there are ways in which you're not going to effectively tell the story. If you don't, if you think that like a lesbian, not is something to just gloss over, because it's a stage direction and it's actually a part of the community, it's actually a thing. Uh, first. Production I did of Fun Home in 2018, I was the only queer person in the cast.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, I'm sorry, the only um, queer woman in the cast. And by the mo- by, 2023, five years later, like my medium Allison, was also a, a queer woman. Our Joan identifies as non-binary, and it's like there are more and more. Um, there's more representation. Right. I think another thing I want to say just about the experience of playing Alice and Bechtel is um, it's a really, really challenging, demanding role. And one of the main reasons for that is, well, there are a couple of reasons. One is she never leaves the stage. So it's 100 minutes and I am on there the whole time. Actually, there's that. And then the other part is just like this, this you know, this emotional journey, which in a way it's it's a it's a blessing that I don't leave the stage because I get on that train and it, you you never stop and you like take this journey, this catharsis um, t- to the end and it's like you arrive on the other side of like something so beautiful but it's it's um, I, I guess what I'm saying is if I did leave the stage, it'd be harder to like stop and start that emotional journey that you're on, you know? Right. Um, so one of the interesting things to me, I, I I was struck by this, this most recent time is thinking about um, the structure of fun home. And it, you know, I think it it won the Tony for, was it the best score Tony, mm-hmm. which was the team, Lisa Krohn and Jeanine Tesori making yeah. history as the first mm-hmm. all women team. It is a very feminine show. And by that I mean this is a feminine dramatic structure. It is nonlinear, it is circular, and it is it is non-patriarchal to me. And one of the ways that is so um, true is in the structure of Allison, being that I'm the protagonist, but I don't ever have like the well, eleven o'clock number my character spends all of her time generously watching and lifting up the other actors to have their 11 o'clock numbers and i think to me it's like so interesting because it's actually alison's story she's the protagonist but i'm giving the stage to all of these fellow actors to tell to have their moments and it's it's just to me like that structure is like I don't know. I think of it as non-patriarchal and non um uh and, and very feminine and it's like th- and in its thanklessness, right? I mean, the way that we think about the Aristotle dramatic structure is like this climax that leads to us to like this denouement. And I think um Allison has this wonderful catharsis at the end and she does have this journey, but it's done vis-a-vis like the other actors getting their moments to shine Mm -hmm. and there's no moment at the end for allison where she's having applause from the audience there's no songs that that happens for
0: right it doesn't because i was gonna say there's telephone wire i guess would be kind of be like the climactic moment for the character but that's not a big showstopper the show i guess like the kind of the more traditional climactic number is exactly the next one. The edges, the Bruce's. Yeah. yeah. Edges. Bruce's um, is kind of like feels a little more traditional. It's yeah. just maybe why it's like one of my least favorites. <laughs> well, I in think the that's show. why
1: people think it's Bruce's story or like, yeah. You know, I found it really kind of disappointing that the one per the one actor that walked away from fun home that got the Tony was right. Michael service. It wasn't, it wasn't the Allison's. Um, and I mean, I'm not just, I'm not discrediting his work by any means. It's just like, often I see gay men are like gravitating towards the Bruce story or like Mm -hmm. Michael Cerverus' character of like, that's who has like, oh, I can't wait. Like a lot of people are like, oh, I can't wait to see the the edges number. Like I, you know, and it's like, it's actually Allison's story. Right. But all that to say the actors are, I think, deserving of that applause, deserving of the of their praise. And I'm not saying I feel invalidated by my work, just that like the structure of the show is one unlike any other that I've experienced.
0: Yeah, and you're also sharing the role with of yourself with other people playing the same character.
1: Yeah, <laughs> of I, yourself. Yeah, <laughs> someone very like very like someone very flippantly and some like fan afterward was like, you're great in the show, but you only get one, get to do it like one third of the time. Like (laughs) I'm on stage the whole time. I don't think of it as like one third, but I guess because he means there are two other Allison's like you're saying.
0: Right. I think like, uh, because it's not just like, Oh, there's the scene from Allison's childhood and this is her as a kid. And then we move to, now we're in the adult part of the story, so we've moved on, like, I don't know, the way a biopic would, or a biomusical would do right. different actors playing. Right, But um, but that this, like, all three have, like, kind of, I don't want to say equal weight, because there's still, like, you know, Big Allison's the the storyteller, but there's still, like, a uh, more of, like, you're kind of all on equal footing a little bit more than a tradition what that that kind of casting traditionally
1: yeah yeah to me it's like a larger conversation about like what we as audience members are told to praise and understand like we're, we're we're told to praise like big notes and long notes and high notes and standing center stage with our arms out we're not taught to praise or appreciate uh standing on a stage for a hundred minutes, right? Like, you know, like those are kind of like why I think of it as sort of quote, thankless in the ways that, um, when we, when we think about like hard work or, um, Mm -hmm. you know, um, the challenge of being an actor.
0: If you do think about it chronologically, then the older one's aware of the younger two, the middle one's only aware of the (laughs) the younger one and the younger one's just like, I mean, you could have an idea of your older self, but you're not completely aware. Yeah, yeah, that's so true. But yeah, that's so interesting. I never thought about the fact that Medium Allison has like this kind of chronological story, I guess, because that is the dramatic thrust of the musical is her is her coming out and then going home Mm -hmm. with Joan and having that moment with her. Mm -hmm. Well, first she has a moment with her mother and then she has the moment with her father
1: just like what a confluence of events like as if like okay I'm coming home and I'm 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 I just came out to you in a letter and now we're seeing each other IRL for the first time and I'm bringing <laughs> my girlfriend like that's already a lot yeah for a family yeah and I'm what,
0: actually surprised she brought Joan to this
1: <laughs> well they concluded those in real like they the musical yeah. conflates the events which is to say she does come home once without joan and then comes home Mm. a second time with joan yeah all to say okay so like i said she comes home has come out to her parents in a letter like they know she's gay she's coming out and she's bringing her girlfriend like that's a lot Mm -hmm. okay that's already awkward but then like layered on that is she's also found out her dad is gay right and now they're facing each other and it's like, okay, uh, so, you know, I'm gay and I know you're gay and we know, so we know each other, we know each about each other, but we haven't talked about it. Like, okay, this is going to be a lot, but it first is buffered with the mom and saying like, okay, he's going to, my, my mom and I are going to have a talk. And so medium Allison and Helen, the mother, like have this moment and She's like, I don't know how you've done it, Mom. Like, how have you been hiding? How have you been holding all of this in? And she has this song, Days and Days, which is, like, such a wonderful, redeeming song for the mm-hmm. character of Helen, because up until this point, like, she's a very repressed character. She's very uh, much, like, could be seen as a victim of of her circumstances. and And it's just, like, you don't really get a moment to have a lot of compassion for her until this song i think right and when it's delivered so beautifully especially i mean it's it's a gorgeous song and i think like the the writing is 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 so smart to have included this number for the character um but one of the most like gutting moments is the end when she says like You know, don't you, she looks at her, the mother looks at medium and is like, don't you come back here? I didn't raise you to give away your days like me. And I don't know why. I mean, obviously listeners, if they don't know the song, they're going to be like, well, that sounds obvious, Andrea. How did you not get that? But like, I, it literally took me until like mid run this past summer where all of a sudden it hit me like the, the, like kind of the fulcrum and the full circle of the, the, the writing there, which is like to be punning on the word, like I didn't raise you to give away your days. Mm. That like hit me like a ton of bricks. One show, like I, I, she's talking about days and days and days. That's how it happens. Cause she's like, I right. don't know how you did it. And she, and and her answer is days and days and days. That's how it happens. Day after day. You, you just like all the, you know, you, you, she cleans up after this museum. She's, and she's, she's saying that just happens. You just get carried away. And suddenly it's like, you know, years and years and years but no
0: that's how it happens days made of bargains i made because i
1: thought as a wife i was meant to and now
0: my life is shattered day yeah.
1: Don't know like what was your experience with that song
0: yeah well it's interesting because now i don't remember my initial experience with that song but like after the fact i was talking to a the well established musical theater writer uh male and uh we were talking about that song and he said that last line should have been the song that was his theory like that like the song should have started there and then extrapolated on that. And I was like, Oh, I, I guess like, I, I, but I feel like that would have been like a more traditional musical theater song mm-hmm. that, you know, <clears throat> from an established musical theater writer who writes, I guess, who, you know, has written more traditional musical theater songs, um, perhaps more male, <laughs> more traditional musical theater songs but i don't know not now my experience of the song from that conversation is always thinking about the song like what like what could it have been like what would it have been like if it had been a song that took that last line and was that song and what is actually gained by having it the way it is um and it be, being the way it is uh and why that is
1: that how how would you get to the point of Mom, how did you do this? And she cuts right to, don't well, you come I, back here.
0: Yeah, I don't know. I think it would Not probably a... be like, it. you know, maybe just like the intro would be like days and days and days, but don't you, <laughs> but, you know, and then, and I think probably because it's, mo- that's where you get to kind of like the the positive outlook of the song. That's where you get to like, you, my hope for you is that you don't do this, that you have a better life, that you, you know, live authentically that you, I mean, that's like kind of where the song ends. Whereas like, I think what this person was getting at was like a more traditional type of song would be to lean into that positiveness, that hopefulness and have that. Oh, be the song. But. uh but yeah, so now my experience with the song is just like listening to the song as it is and being like, "Why? Like, this is better because, well, one, it's about Helen. It's it is her song. This is her experience. This is her story. It's not just like, I mean, I guess you could weave that into something. Her story, her experience into a song about like my hope for you is this. And yeah, it gets it's more of a it's more of a downer. <laughs> <laughs> like it's more of like a a sad song but like depressing yeah but like you know it's so this, operatic
1: though i mean it just like yeah. it swells in um in ways that she's she's hearing herself i mean she's discovering all of those things mm-hmm. you know they're not
0: it's not calculated right right I mean, that's, so like it's like a really well written song like you have to give and i think also it's like you have to give weight to that experience. It's not just like, like, this is what it was for me, but I want something different for you. It's, it is really like, this is how it was for me. This, <laughs> like this <laughs> yeah. life, like yeah, this was, the, this,
1: <laughs> yeah,
0: like this is how, and you want it. And your question, and the question is, how does it happen? Like we're answering the question of, how does it happen that you hide oneself? I mean that's kind of like a major question in the musical itself like how, like that generation like how does it happen that you you had this life where you hide yourself
1: mm-hmm. for
0: somebody who is not going to have that life. And for Helen, for her experience like this is this is how it happens. Like this is how you do it. Like this is either cal- either it's calculated maybe like like Bruce's experience was more calculated of hiding himself. Or it's you don't even realize it. You don't even realize it's happening until somebody forces you to look at it, you know, in yeah. this way.
1: What happens dramatically in Fun Home is after days and days her medium Allison is talking to her dad and he's talking about going for a drive. And Big Allison, my character, um, becomes so consumed by the memory that she actually starts living it and Mm -hmm. steps in and dramatically what happens is Big Allison replaces Medium Allison and actually goes on that car drive with her father that she experienced, which was their final night together and before he died. And... But that actually is a discovery that she has in the song Telephone Wire. So Mm -hmm. Telephone Wire is the next song in the show. And it's Allison and Bruce. And as I said, Big Allison is reliving that car experience versus watching it play out by the character of Medium Allison. And it's such a brilliantly constructed song in that the two first uh, verses are, you know, she's living it. And then by the third verse, she's referring to it in the past tense. And it's a song about connection um, and missed connections um, with this like beautiful imagery of telephone wires being wires of connection. Mm-hmm. And, um, The imagery throughout this song is so piercing for me as the actor playing it, seeing the seeing those mountains, seeing that highway, seeing that route 150 sign, the pond. Um, And then and then this the the light, um, which is the the chorus of like at the light, at the light, at the light, Um, which is about like trying to figure out what to say to her father as they're in this car together, um, how to talk to him, say something to him, like, and wanting him to say something to me. And I mean, I'm going to cry right now. Like this song, like literally breaks me (laughs) all the time because we have all been there in the experience of being in a car with a loved one and having to, know that you have to talk about something difficult or being in the middle of talking about a a challenging topic. And it's so just like heartbreaking. And I think not, well, I mean, in this case, uh, heartbreaking, but I I think uh, what's the, the layer of complexity is like, this is her dad. That's no longer with her anymore. Like he's gone. Mm -hmm. So like being able to like relive, like I can't even like talk about this song without crying. And like that, my experience, you know, eight shows a week is just like, it's, it's so gutting that, um, that he's gone. He's not with us anymore and with her anymore. And, you know, by the third verse, the realization of like, oh my God, I can't go back and talk to him. Like I, it can make this moment, not the past, like make this be, um, make this, make this have been different. Make like, make there be something that was said. Um, um, I want him to see me. I want him to say something. I want to be able to say something and nothing is said, nothing in that moment actually is said. And so by the end of the song, you have this like sort of really heavy gutting realization of like, that was it. Like that was the last time we were together, just him and I. Hey, did I mention that new project I've taken on? Oh, you've seen it, that old house out on Route 150? It's been standing out there empty 40, 50 years at least. Telephone wire, stop too fast. Telephone wire,
0: make this not the past. This car ride, this is where it has to happen. There must be some other chance.
1: fun. That earlier than I thought. Are you coming in? Telephone wire.
0: That was our last night.
1: So it for me is like a song that really just like moves through grief so brilliantly. Mm. Um, all of those yeah. stages. Um, yeah. It's just, it's just a really specific song that is thus universal.
0: The, it's like the, the time juxtaposition that I don't know, like also like, yes, it's her like looking back, but it's also like, it's also like me like watching it feeling like, like, my dad's still alive. Like, I don't know when that last moment is going to be like, am I-, I, I thought about be... that every time. Yeah, like, am um, like, or just with anybody in your life. Like, Yes, right. Like, you don't like time is it's all about timing and time. Right. And she, like she like from the pa- from the from present day, you know, big Allison looking back, like she like the song is told like, I like I know that this is we experienced the song as like we know that this is their last moment together. But that car ride was actually I mean you get you get glimpses of what it actually was like in the song. But like uh it doesn't have any of that layer of like this is our last night, <laughs> right? Exactly. <laughs> that's
1: the that's the that's the kind of like heavy heartbreak of the end is what I'm referring to. Is this like when she's living it in those first two verses, you don't know mm-hmm. it's the end. She doesn't right. know that it's my last. So that's why that like heavy realization of the third verse of like this is the past. Oh my God, that yeah. This is this is this was all that there was. This was the last night. Oh my God, make it
0: not so. And it, it's so crushing. It's so heartbreaking yeah I mean this is definitely the the our town moment of the yes <laughs> of the music yes. Like, I never like, really it's a wonderful about life it. too you know yeah. the way
1: you're like looking back on memories of like what it would be like if you weren't there you know things like like those yeah things like so
0: crushing recently I I did read or he, he listened to or something that they that our town was like a part of the dna of this musical and it never and i'm like oh of course like i never thought about it but like i was like oh of course it is like
1: (laughs) you know in our production most recently we had one glance at each other in that whole song Mm. that was it you know yeah it was it wasn't entirely prescriptive like we didn't plan that but it is a song of like not connecting so we as the actors really didn't make eye contact at all trying to you know definitely glancing but it's the frame framing device of being in a car right supports that so brilliantly
0: it is like a very interesting setup because yeah you've got you're like there you're both facing forward you one of them has to keep their eyes on the road yeah yeah (laughs) and uh but, and you have, you have so much move, like the world outside you is moving, but you're not moving. Yeah. That kind of setup yeah. Yeah, of yeah yeah things. The telephone wire is not moving. You're, the car is, the telephone wire is not moving. The car is moving. You're not we're actually. signing signed to Route 150. Moving. It's, it's, yeah, it's not moving, but
1: we're moving. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But let's move to um, maps. And I, yeah. I'm so excited to talk about this song because I feel like. I love this song and I know, like, it's one of the, you know, great songs in the show, but I feel like it doesn't get talked about as much as the the other songs in the show get talked about.
1: Yeah, I think it's so brilliant. And it's, I, uh, one of my, my only complaints about it is I think it's too short. Uh
0: Uh-huh. Yeah.
1: I think it should be longer. Um, It's inspired by Indigo Girls and other sort of indie folk, lesbian singer-songwriter again incredible imagery so the the lyrics dictate exactly what you need to do gesturally like it's telling you what to draw quick dashes mark the property ends well i guess i should start by saying what this song is about which is it's a song called maps (laughs) and she is at a moment where she is in the in the course of the the plot right like she's she's she is on this journey to understand her father and she has been drawing and investigating and going through pictures and going through memories and erasing and editing and, and activating memories. Like all of these things are happening. At this moment, it's it's um, kind of a memory about drawing a map as a child. And that then sends her on a realization of um, mapping out the sort of provincial town where she grew up and where her, like and understanding um, where her father's kind of landscape was um, the town being beach Creek in Pennsylvania. And um, it starts with finding this map and, and remembering the memory of being small Alison age and drawing the a map with the Allegheny Plateau. So um, like I said, like it kind of the lyrics dictate what it is that is, is happening, which is she's drawing quick dashes to mark the property ends, um, little squares for houses. So you get this idea that she's building like a kind of aerial view, bird's eye view of this, this map area.
0: Quick dashes mark the property ends a rope that turns and bends little squares for houses strung along roads the land transfigured into topographic codes maps show you what is simple and true try laying out a bird's eye view not what he told you just what you see what do you know that's not your dad Mythology. Dad was born on this farm. Here's our house. Here's the spot where he died. I can
1: draw a circle. His whole life fits inside. And it's this kind of <laughs> discovery of like, what can I find and what can I figure out from mapping this out? Mm -hmm. literally because it's been a lot of mapping out memories mapping out um going through old journals making sense of it and now she's literally making a map um and she realizes like okay dad was born on this farm here's our house here's the spot where he died and then it's like oh my god these things are in a circle like i can draw a circle the realization of like his whole life is right here in this small circle and the song leads us to recognize, like, by the end, it furthers the plot in that we she realizes, like, oh, my God, my father, like this pity, really, of, of at least this is this is the way I played it. And this is my understanding of of the character, which is like he was this animal in a cage, you know, and this is why he he preyed on young boys that he could that were not from necessarily a predatory standpoint but from the perspective of like what were his options where did mm-hmm. he where could he go to find gay people he lived in this tiny circle he never left and there's this line that i just love um the lyric of like on its way we, it, we lived 4 miles from i80 the expressway yeah. And like, it was four miles, I- I-80 could take could have taken you on the West Coast, could have taken you to San Francisco and you've gone, you could have gone to Castro, Cast- the Castro, you could have taken I-80 all the way to New York and you could have got, gotten to Christopher Street. So the line is like, on its way from the Castro, Cast, um, no, wait, let me say that again. Four miles <laughs> from our door, I-80 ran from shore to shore on its way from the Castro to Christopher Street, the road not taken, just four miles from our door. So great, that writing. You, yeah. But it's so, like, esoteric. Like, you have to know that the Castro is the gay community. Right. You have to know Christopher Street is a reference to, like, Stonewall. And a lot is compact in into this song. You know, right. like, I think the musical also brings up this wonderful message of, like, the importance of not hiding and repressing homosexuality. That, like, if we let people be free and be their authentic selves, like, th- there are, when when people are not free and when people are repressed, there are, there are consequences and bad ramifications versus if we are free and authentically able to be ourselves positive things happen Mm -hmm.
0: does maps relate to telephone wire for you because it does for me like in a how so kind of abstract way well i think well just similar imagery of like the like this is what i see this is the town but there's I I love maps, not the song, but like maps, <laughs> the maps in general, because um, I, I love I like love looking at like the world like bird's eye view, like she says, like, that's how I like, like to figure out like where things are like looking down. Um, This connects to this connects to this connects to this. But there's also another way of thinking about directions, which is like the I'm in a car view. And like, like kind of the. What Google Maps tells you to do: turn here, turn here, turn here, turn here, and so like you have like a very similar kind of imagery and setup in both songs, but one song is like the bird's eye view, and one song is like the we're gonna turn here, we're gonna turn here, we're gonna turn here. It's all
1: part of the same motif of of a journey, right? Yeah, is that she's taking this sort of like quest and this journey to figure to discover her father and discover the truth. Yeah, yeah, I love that.
0: Yeah, I just, I and I love in Maps, just the, like you said, like the idea of drawing a circle um, around something, around different yeah. points to like see how they relate to each other. Well, and, and,
1: you know, I mean, Alison Bechtel is so smart. She's literally a MacArthur Genius Award recipient. And I think Janine Tesori and Lisa Krohn play to the height of her intelligence in their writing. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Which is so great. Um, For sure. Yeah. And I think also when I was seeing it on, on Broadway and we literally were in a circle. Yeah. <laughs> to see it. I think that's
1: the best place for it too. I yeah.
0: For it to be in a, a circular,
1: I think of circles as feminine and I think of triangles mm-hmm. as patriarchal. So <laughs> I think that is like, you know, an apex is, is that idea of versus like, uh, I think it makes the most sense. This this
0: story should be told in in the round. We touched on his big number at the end. uh, Edges of the World. But I don't know if there's anything more that we want to say about that song. I mean,
1: Edges is Bruce's uh, soliloquy. It's a song, again, I mean, their imagery is so good. Like this idea of edges. So it's the edges of the world. Like his cage that he created for himself is unraveling is disappearing because people now know about his truth and he can no longer hide i think the song is chaotic and very um from a from a musical melodic standpoint the song is chaotic in in like in brilliantly so and it it, it weaves back and forth between um uh, time signatures and and it ends with you know the actor being holding out their arms and the lights of a of a truck come out and you understand that then he's being hit by the by the truck there's a wonderful kind of motif of about um flying into something so sublime yeah. which is a reference to um medium allison sings that when she says those lyrics when she's singing changing my mate in the song changing my major
0: i'm scared i had
1: a life i thought I understood. I took it and I squeezed out every bit of life I could. But the edges of the world that held me up have gone away. And I'm falling into nothingness or flying into something so sublime. And I'm a man. I don't know where am I now or do I go. I can't go back. I can't find my way through. I might still break a heart or two. But when the sunlight hits the parlor wall at certain times of day, I see how fine this house could be. I see it so damn clear. There's a couple other examples where the writing is great in that the the character of Bruce and Allison they're 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 they repeat themselves uh, they mimic each other, they echo each other and um it it's a great way in which the writing suggests their parallels because mm-hmm. a lot of the a lot of the 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 journey is like was I just like you, Dad or were we nothing alike? I like to think that they're like two sides of a coin or so far from each other on a circle that they're almost the same point.
0: Right. That circle again. Yeah, is there. exactly. <laughs> a, you know, a coin is a circle. Yeah.
1: Um, all of those things.
0: Yeah. As I said, this might be my least favorite song, but I think my experience with it was like, when I saw the show, I felt like, and I think the book, is more this way that I wanted him to remain this enigma. Like I didn't want to hear from him. I didn't want to go deeper into him. And I understand how writing-wise, especially if someone playing this character who's, you know, you want to give him a moment. You know, yeah. A moment a journey, but I from my just experience of the show. I just felt like I I don't need this. Like, I don't want to know this. Like, don't <laughs> don't give me this kind of reaction to it. I get that. I mean, that means that you're just like an, you're an Allison stan. The journey of the show was to try and be from Allison's point of view investigating him. And I felt like we were leaving her point of view in this moment. That makes a lot
1: of sense. And maybe why a lot of people don't always understand that this is Allison's story.
0: Yeah, because it ends like all of a sudden we're we're with him him in this moment when we really should, I I think, from my perspective, shouldn't be with him in this moment. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. If we want to say anything more about Ring of Keys, we kind of already touched on it, but...
1: Well, Ring of Keys as a song in the show uh, is sung by Small Allison, as you talked about. Sidney Lucas played the role on Broadway. It is a young Allison seeing a butch woman in a diner and feeling seen, not understanding what the feeling is, not understanding what it is that she's seeing, but she's seeing someone who's different, but there she has a connection to and a recognition. And I think the way it's it's um, the way they write it through the lens of like a nine year old is so beautiful. Yeah, the like your swagger and your um um what? Well, I, I thought it was supposed to be wrong, but you seem okay with being strong like mm-hmm. just lyrics like that that are just um, exactly the way a nine-year-old would speak. Um, yeah. And those last three lines got me where it's just uh, the song ends with, I know you, I know you, I know you. Yeah. Kills me. Cause it's <clears throat> exactly again, going back to the lesbian nod, it's this mm-hmm. like sense of community. It's this recognition of like, I know you, I know we're part of something together. Mm-hmm. And, uh, we never see the 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 old school Butch. We just have her described to us to small island.
0: Right. And- yeah, and I I never thought about that, but that is a difference from the music from the graphic novel to the musical. Is in the graphic novel there is images like yeah. you're actually seeing images of of her. You see the ring of keys. That's where they took the Yeah, the song I mean from. and
1: in the graphic novel you see the the map of Beach Creek you see like you know you see the um the car I mean you see everything so it is interesting to think about what they extracted from the images like for instance it was a ring a small ring of keys on that butch woman that then they decided to create a whole song about like yeah I think what's um what I want to say about ring of keys as a song is From my research, I know that Lisa Crone was really, really scared and hesitant to write that song. Mm -hmm. She didn't want to write a song about a butch woman because we all know that butch women are ridiculed. And she, as a butch woman herself, was scared of being mocked, scared of the, the stock... Up until that point in, in musical theater history, the only like butch representation we had was, you know, the like butch um, gym teacher and Hairspray or, you know, right. it's just, like all the things that are in the producers. There's also some mockery of a butch woman or a lesbian mm. character. And it was Janine Tesori who said, you, you need to write this. Like we need yeah. this. We need this representation. And she did it. And um, it's – it's now a queer anthem, a song about identification, and it was the reason why we decided to name our organization after it, because it, it represents, to me, not it's not just a queer lesbian anthem, it's a queer anthem. <laughs>
0: Well, cool. I say let's move on to our next section, the Why Is This So Good? So we're going to switch gears a little bit and talk about the song uh, He Plays the Violin from 1776. So why did you pick the song for Why Is This So Good? I guess I just
1: I've played the role of Martha Jefferson. And having seen the revival of 1776 recently at Roundabout, I guess... I was so disappointed in the way it was done at that in that production mm-hmm. that it made me think of this number as like why it is so good and why you shouldn't mess with it. Uh-huh. And a lot of young people will say they don't like this musical. And I'm like, well, I love this musical. So this is partly a, why is this so good? The musical as well <laughs> by Sherman Edwards. And um, this song is has this wonderful subtlety this wonderful double entendre about sex but it's also with this duet with the with the violin she's singing about how her husband plays the violin and he plays it so well and she's the violin obviously mm-hmm. but it's 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 best done when it's when you play up that subtlety and you play yeah. up the double entendre the production at uh, roundabout was like she was so obtuse, she was directed to be so obtuse and that she mm. was like having actual like audible org- orgasms on stage, which I thought was like missing the whole point of right. when I like I, I I feel like old school musical theater, like the old canonical songs were so much better. Rogers and Hammerstein are so much better at like the the subtlety of like not saying right, Cole Porter, like so good at saying songs that um saying saying one thing, meaning another. Mm-hmm. And, and that's to me what this song is also like. The F holes in our, uh, what you call the, like the holes in the violin and like the fucking yeah. holes to me is like this <laughs> wonderful play on like words and the violin track in that song is so beautiful. And it's like this great dance, this duet. Um, and it has this like dramatic climax at the end. Um, it's she, she dies. Martha Jefferson dies in, historically um very young but she was this really bubbly full of life um woman and the complete love of jeff thomas jefferson's life so um i think knowing the historical context um also like its positioning in in, in the production you've just had like this historically epically 17 page long book scene in the musical it's the longest in musical theater uh, librettist history so you've just had like this scene and it's like all these men on stage for 17 pages and then Martha Jefferson comes on stage and it's this like wonderful breath of fresh air and she sings this song he plays the violin he tucks it right under his chin and he bows oh he bows for he knows, yes, he knows, that it's high, uh, high, uh, high, diddle, diddle, Twixt my heart, time in his fiddle, my strings
0: run strong. I mean, I just love just as a song itself without the context of the show. Like, it's also just such a a great, like, fun song to uh, listen to. Yeah. And um, I mean, I know the scene in the movie that I've seen of the song where Blythe Danner is like, (laughs) (laughs) it's like coyishly dancing around. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. It's really fun. I mean,
1: it's just a fun, flirty song.
0: Yeah, but it is interesting that the last, the last verse of it references her her, her death, death in that is, way.
1: Yeah, it's like it's premonition. Yeah,
0: which like you wouldn't expect from a song that is like a this breath yeah. of fresh when air. When heaven like, comes
1: to me, sing me no, yes, sweet,
0: yeah. Say I died yeah.
1: loving life.
0: Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and I guess like 1776 is such a male heavy show. I guess with. It, it, revival the most recent revival was commenting on that but um to have the the women sing these songs is also feels like this breath of (laughs) breath of fresh air yeah uh in the proceedings to
1: be clear i was so excited about the all woman and non-binary production Mm
0: -hmm. i just
1: uh didn't love some of the directing choices
0: (laughs) right right yeah, but it's such, I mean, it's such a good idea for a song too. And I love songs that are just like, that is a really good idea for a song. Yeah, for this, especially in the context of the show. Yeah. Um, cool. Well, let's move on to our last section, something wonderful, and just something in the musical theater world that we are excited about, uh, and or want to give a shout out to.
1: Does this throw off your structure if uh, we don't answer this? Because I already answered it. (laughs) Oh, well, bring back what you were talking about. Well, what I already referenced, which is Show Me Eternity. That's what I'm excited about. I'm producing it. We'll have um, performances this December at Culture Lab in Long Island City. Um, Oh, cool. And uh, it's a story about Emily Dickinson, her legacy, the queer erasure so it's about her love affair with uh sue gilbert her um her sister-in-law
0: yeah i'm um, i'm i'll i'll use that as my something wonderful too because i'm that sounds awesome yeah. i'm really excited about it the
1: music is so like intoxicating it's so beautiful the show is like so it's it, i i immediately was was enchanted <laughs>
0: Thank you all for listening to this episode of Scene to Song. You can write to scene to song at gmail.com with a comment or question about an episode or about musical theater, or if you'd like to be a podcast guest. Love this podcast? Help it find more listeners by rating it on Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Follow on Instagram at scene to song on Twitter or X at scene song and on Facebook at scene to song with Shoshana Greenberg podcast. Sign up for our monthly e-newsletter at scenttosong.substack.com and contribute to our Patreon. The theme music you are hearing is by Julia Meinwald, and check back here in 2 weeks for our next episode.